0: Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to How to Pakistan with Musharraf Zedi and me, Fassi Zakha, And we're back for the second season. We've been on a little hiatus, a number of reasons, but we're really excited for the second season to start.
1: Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Thank you, Fassi Zakha, for yes. that introduction. It is season two.
0: Yes.
1: And, you know, I think the important part about season two is that season two is a new season. And so new seasons are always great. It's uh, fresh and happening. It's very <laughs> fresh and very happening. It's also, for me, it's the pre, pre-Ramadan sort of uh, festivus, if you will. because
0: That's exactly how I came into this program, thinking this. <laughs> <laughs> Pre-Ramadan festivus. Festivus. Is it
1: okay to say Ramadan in front of you, or am I going to get all... Like a religious sermon about the Z's and the Duads. I'll let it go this time. Okay, this time. This time. So, but promise me that we'll debate this oft neglected issue in our culture. I agree. We brother, should have at least five episodes brother, on it. But we need to fix that. <laughs> okay, so excellent. So we're having uh, we're having this conversation and it's a very good time to start season two of How to Pakistan. I agree. So
0: we we'll why is it a good time? It's a good time because there's so much happening. There's rumors flying. Are you starting to get all generic?
1: Very I generic. I think there's a very specific reason why we need to have this conversation today. Tell me. Uh, I find the leakage yeah. of conversations between the Prime Minister and the Army Chief to be fascinating. I, I, I do as well. And uh, I woke up this morning expecting it to be another
0: Thursday. Uh like any other Thursday. So I haven't heard it yet, have you? I heard a little clip. Achai, look, people are telling me the sound quality is a bit like our podcast. And least, Well, and the
1: thing is that at least the intellectual level of the conversation between the army <laughs> chief and Prime Minister Nawaz Sharif is yeah. of a decidedly higher level. Uh-huh. Uh, they're both extremely well-read uh, intuitively sensitive both to the range of emotions that are represented in our political spectrum yeah. as well as the deep national interests that lie strewn across the border and our naval right. shores. I'm, I'm really confident that whatever conversation that has been recorded uh, is, is one that reflects uh, the needs and aspirations of the Pakistani people.
0: So, what I, so I haven't heard the conversation but what I love about it is that it's like <laughs> well, <as I> <laughs> <said>.
1: <laughs> London, what a town. I hear that London has uh, recently uh, adopted a new mayor. Yes. And uh, his name is uh, Sadiq Khan, yes. or Sadiq Khan, yes. as, as he's called there. Uh, and that the mayor has decided to become involved in the U.S. presidential election by challenging some of the notions being put forth by the leading contender for the presidency, a a young man by the name of Donald Trump.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think... So, it's heartening to see that after all of this. That Donald
1: Trump is leading the the
0: Republican field, or leading the field. From the left, yes, actually. It's It could just be an inside job To bring down one whole party Because <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. but, but I mean I think You know Sadiq Khan It's interesting that Everyone has suddenly Owned up to him And, and it is an achievement but I, I I think I found a Who lo- is it who's it an achievement for? And that's just it, right? So I, I find that I think the Dunya Islam kill you. Like
1: I dunya think the Islam Muslim Islam Ummah is. has won. Uh-huh. Like basically it's hashtag win. Uh uh-huh. Hashtag win. Yeah. Hashtag win win win. Oh. Uh-huh. And also yeah. Holocaust Memorial. The first All of act as man. Uh-huh. So real big win for the for the Muslim Ummah there.
0: Yeah. So so that's just it. I, I think it's I think there's truth to that. Like, you know, the fact that, you know, sort of uh, a Muslim can make it elsewhere, and there's an ownership thing as well. I don't know how he feels about that exactly, but I think, you know, sort of what you're bringing up exactly, and I've seen ruminations of this here and there and some really good pieces as well, like exactly whose mayor is he. Should the question be, should we be celebrating his win or actually reflecting whether we could allow the same to happen in our own countries and we know that it's much more difficult but i think i think in some ways just allowing that conversation to come up it's a good thing and uh, and it's not one that only the english press in pakistan's done i think you know i've seen it on television other people have spoken about it it's one of those things that is um it's good in multiple ways. Now, now, the thing is, like, I just hope this guy doesn't turn out to be a real turd and do a terrible job, because there are expectations everywhere.
1: Well, he does belong to New Labour, so, you right. know, I mean, I know that he was, he's, he's been supportive of uh, of Red Ed, and yeah. and uh, and I think, initially, he's the one that proposed Jeremy Corbyn's name for the Labour Party leadership. Mm-hmm. But he's really a classical product of, of, of New Labour. Right. Um and, and I think he was one of Gordon Brown. New Labour or Old Labour? New Labour is more Blairite. Yes. Oh, so I, you, think, si- you see him as a Blairite? Well, no. I see him as a product of, of the Blair era. Okay. So, so I think that a lot of the leftism of the New Labour products is... Uh, it's, it's for show. There's no real ownership. And part of the reason is Mayor of London... Who do you think is the most influential instrument of policy in London? It's the banks. Hmm. That's, that's yeah. what drives the, the London economy. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I'm i not sure that, you know, this concept of... He's definitely a bus driver's son. And, and from that perspective, it's a great story about how class mobility, uh, you know, in modern Western Europe and, and, and North America and the civilized world, uh, really uh class mobility is a thing. And and so from that perspective it's a great story. But I don't think that, you know, whether it's him or any other serious leaders uh in, in the West that real leftist values are are invested in as a result of the same incentive structure and, and and motivations as the way it used to be. And I think a lot of us are very romantic about you know, you had this guy um who recently died Tony Ben,
0: amazing guy, right? Yeah, I mean, Tony Ben was a—he's like another one of those guys who I wish was my momu, you know. What I mean?
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, so Tony Ben was, you know, like a dyed-in-the-wool sort of socialist. Yeah, you know, there was a being left-leaning at that time was a product of a of a conviction and mm-hmm. ideas, mm-hmm. and I think that uh, the leftism that we see now in Europe uh, is less driven by, I mean, a lot of these are neoliberal leftists, right? Like, it's yeah. it's very similar to what we have in the PPP. Yeah. You know, there's a populist position that the PPP will take on labor issues that has nothing to do with the primary political economy that drives decision-making at the Ministry of Finance and a PPP government, whether it's at the provincial or at the national mm. level. Yeah. You mentioned London as a as as part and parcel of of your analysis of the conversation which you haven't heard. Yes. I think typical Pakistani analyst, right? I I just jumped into Let's it. Let's do a whole show. <laughs> pussy. <laughs> On a conversation that we haven't heard yet.
0: <laughs> I, I, I agree with that. <laughs> I, no, actually, would I'm you, wondering how much of the previous episodes have our analysis on conversations we had no idea about. It's that we just cop to Allah, it. it. It has never happened before. <laughs> Allah, it's not possible. But two things, like, you know, Tony Ben. so one thing about him that I really. Wait, so found, we're still
1: stuck on London
0: now. We're still stuck on London.
1: So, so this is the ultimate like both actual elite and pseudo elite problem of Pakistanis I mean (laughs) I mean we were talking about Prime Minister Nawaz Sharif and the Army Chief. No, I we were gonna We were going to explore civil Mill relations what? because it's an
0: unexplored area in our discourse. <laughs> Nobody's ever <laughs> talked about it. <laughs> no, just the thing about Tony Benn, one thing that I do remember is... Wait, I'm, so you're really committed to this, Tony I'm really committed to this because I always thought about this, is that I used to love watching Aliji and I like that humor and one of the reasons is he went to really smart people you know Don's at uh, Oxford Cambridge uh, he he met Naomi Klein and you know he got her to Naomi, see, Naomi Klein Na, Naomi <laughs> Klein so so, <laughs> so anyhow we'll, uh, I don't listen so much to get <laughs> so anyhow but, but the thing is that with Naomi Klein I mean, he got her to, you know, he said something like, you know, if you were a prostitute, you could make good money. And she took it a bit of as a compliment and got roundly criticized. And the shtick that Ali G had was that he came across as somebody as a low IQ and then people would pander to him. But when he went to Tony Ben, Tony Ben wouldn't have it. He didn't care if the character was half black, dim-witted, any of that. The moment he said something that crossed the line, he laid into it. Yeah, and it was just something that was—it was really true values, man. Yeah, it yeah. was,
1: but you know, I think that the the political economy and the world economy, yeah. the mode of production in yeah. the nineteen forties and fifties and sixties, when Tony Ben was becoming and became an adult yeah. and, and a conscious, a political agent yeah. in in his country, it was it was very different from where we're where where we are at. How do I know about Tony Ben? This is interesting as well because unlike. You, I actually don't read. I mean, you only say it for fun. I actually, you know, I'm not i I'm not a, I'm not a big, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a nerd. You know, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, why is it you're coming across better in this conversation? <laughs> so, no, uh, so, so I think it's an interesting thing how I yeah. came across. It. His son Hillary Ben was the minister for international development. Right. He was the boss of DFID, right? Which I used to work for once upon a time and so it's an amazing transformation in one generation because Hillary Benn was part of the Labour Party and very much part of the sort of the Blairite movement and his values were evident in his exchanges with the World Bank because DFID being a big donor and the World Bank being a big bilateral donor and the World Bank being a big multilateral there was a whole debate at that time and this is kind of 2004, 2005, 2006. There was a big debate about conditionality. I don't know if you followed this debate. There no. was a big problem in Ethiopia, and basically, DFID diff- pulled funding, and Ethiopia's economy kind of couldn't handle that at that time. Mm. Of course, it's grown hugely since then, and Ethiopia is mm. a very stable country now economically. But back then, <clears throat> there was a lot of aid dependence in a lot of uh, countries, in, in particularly in Africa. Uh, and it continues to be in countries like Malawi and Tanzania where donors like DFID have huge uh, huge importance in cloud because of the fact that they're providing budgetary budget, support. budgetary support. Yeah, so the debate was on whether budgetary support should be conditioned or non-conditioned, meaning, right. Should donors be buying specific products as a result of their contributions or should donors be buying into the reform agenda that is domestic and organic? And it's an interesting debate and there's differences of nuance, but it's essentially a debate rooted deep inside neoliberal economics.
0: Which is the fundamental problem to that approach also. Is that, you know, the whole thing about currency devaluations, which are now out of favor and all those things. but, But yeah, I agree with you. Some of those prescriptions... Are actually incredibly pain-inducing for the money that is offered.
1: It's and 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 the and the prescriptions themselves, their their root is also th- their root, where they come from, is is interesting, right? This whole conversation and the increased salience, uh, ostensibly of the left, is coming directly from one place and one place alone: the financial crisis. Hmm. Of you know, 2008, 2009. Yeah. I mean, if you don't have that financial crisis, who takes leftist politics seriously? Nobody. True. Right. Yeah, yeah. And the cri- what what's happening is that there was a social and political failure yeah. that produced an economic calamity. To whom there is an economic response in terms of bailouts and a quasi political response in terms of left parties saying things about austerity and getting away with them and getting elected but no social response no serious leader in the west or anywhere in the in the east in the muslim world anywhere in 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 hinduism you know in india how many leaders can you remember that look at the financial crisis as a problem of greed and excess not just of the banks because the banks were playing mass populations. The banks weren't doing the greed business on their own. They didn't just wake up one day and decide we're going to instill greediness in the water supply of of Flint, Michigan. That's not what happened. The banks were catering to a a certain kind of irrational exuberance and demand. In particular, people who were making 100 rupees, uh, you know, a day, deciding that they wanted to live as if they were making 500 rupees a day yeah. in houses that should belong to people that make 5,000 rupees a day. Yeah. And 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 the banks basically allowed that to happen and created this big, fragile sort of mega structure, which is still intact, which is why you had the yeah. bailouts. The bailouts were, were what ensured the infrastructure of the modern financial economy, globally, but particularly in the West, to be in place. So when I, when I think of Tony Ben and I think of the big difference between sort of somebody like Tony Ben as a, as a British, you know, as a representative of, of, slightly left of center, which is what he was. I mean, he wasn't hardcore left. Yeah. Uh, and then I think about somebody like Sadiq uh, in, in London as the mayor <clears throat> and that he and Corbyn and, and, and Red Ed are are taken seriously as, as representatives of the left of center, I say, wow, what a a long distance we've traveled Mm -hmm. in 40, 50 years.
0: No, I agree. I, (coughs) I think it's interesting that, you know, the point about salience is that one of the reasons why this particular sort of expansion of deregulation and making things sort of favorable to big money was partly because even as inequity increased, there was a trickle-down that was exerting itself at the bottom. But post this particular collapse, now the pinch is being felt much more severely, both in you know the lower classes and the middle classes. And that's why it's interesting that politically at least some sort of revivals come. The only thing is like in the UK especially, sometimes on occasion, Corbyn sounds a bit out of date in a way that I found Sanders doesn't, for example. If you're looking at an equivalent, they're not actually equivalents. But he sounds to be somewhat more cognizant of the fact that, you know, the structure is... Because you're trading in one sort of uh, doctrine for another in some ways. And that's the problem with canned responses to sort of new problems that have emerged over time. And in a way, that's sometimes where I find Corbyn is lacking and maybe Sanders wasn't so much. Although maybe Americans would argue that he is, of course, on the other end. But the other thing I also found is that I think also with Sadiq Khan, maybe one expectation that he would use the rest of the party and the rest of the political spectrum to enact certain things that would help uh, deal with some of the fallout and the issues of inequity. However, he himself can't really do anything about the banks because the sort of regulatory framework and all that, that comes from you know, the finance ministries that comes from the chancellor, the, you know, exchequer. And, and the those, regulator in, in Britain exactly, is very strong. Exactly. So that would be something different. I think in putting that expectation on him solely, I think he has much more of a job to do in sort of being a Giuliani or, a, you know, just doing a better job of managing the city. He's a really smart guy. Uh, and he has,
1: uh, I think, done so, so phenomenally well that I think he'll be able to navigate the, the, the tough waters of mayoralty in, in London. I hope so. Quite okay. I hope so. Because
0: I think he's got the unfair thing of double expectation.
1: He does. Yeah. But, but but I think that I, I have no hesitation in pinning those and then doubling those up as well. Yeah. I think when you represent a minority group, your performance in the public space, That's no matter where you are, is becomes doubly important.
0: That's why I loved Condoleezza Rice's book's title, twice as good. Yeah. Which sort of sums up the problem of being a minority.
1: The ways. fact that you love Condoleezza Rice's book also also sums up, you know, the problem between you and I. I mean, you love <laughs> hardcore warmongering Republicans, and I'm essentially a dove and a bit of a pussycat. All right.
0: The other thing is we need to come back to what's Pakistan's real problem these days, and that's incontinence. We've got Panama leaks. Wait, wait. wait. Did, you, did, got, you, did you just
1: use the word incontinence? In,
0: it's the most polite way I can say of dribbling. <laughs> <laughs> Involuntary dribbling. <laughs> <laughs> you've got Panama leaks, you've got leaks of uh, this audio that I haven't heard yet. And uh, I'm just wondering, you know, like, where this is going but one of the things before we get to that we'll sort of end so there was a conversation you and I had earlier in the day and it was about something that had happened that I a previous Bilal chest-thumping supporter and now you a new chest-thumping supporter whoa 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 whoa, whoa. Uh, anyway I'll let you
1: continue because you must
0: be going somewhere with this go ahead yeah so 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 the whole thing about you know so you're wondering about this major party that you want to re- have relevance and have remain relevant in Pakistan and then you have certain predictions about the character of where the new generation is going and then you get this whole thing in Azad Kashmir which is like extremely i mean I, I think Wait, when just clarify saying, what
1: you're saying, because we had the conversation, but the... Yeah, yeah, on started. Kashmir,
0: on Kashmir, right? Sorry, no, but who? what, what When Bilal was speaking about Kashmir and, you know, he was talking about Nawaz selling out Kashmir, literally... I don't, know, I don't know
1: if it's fair to say that Nawaz Sharif is selling out Kashmir, because I think people don't really understand the Prime Minister's position because he doesn't articulate it, which is the Prime Minister's problem. But, but we agree on that.
0: But but yeah.
1: but Bilaval I mean Bilaval and Kashmir is great. It's
0: great. I know, that is my it. when I first read it, my uh, oh my god. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, I get, I get the conflict yeah. So
1: basically, like Of course, because he's Bilabal And he's from the PPP And he went to Oxford He should basically want the Indians To basically do whatever the hell they want in Kashmir exactly, Occupy Kashmir Exactly, exactly yeah. that, that is our position
0: Graduation <laughs> <laughs> From now on, this is your
1: position Yeah, This is what happens at Oxford This is what happens This is okay. why I didn't even get in Because they knew I would never accept that letter <laughs> I will never <laughs> compromise that is- I will never compromise. No, no, no. But I, I, I love Bilawal's position on on uh, on Kashmir. Look, the position. I think By the way, have. that's Pakistan's position. It's yeah. the original position of Azam Muhammad Ali Jinnah. It's the position of Sir Zafarullah Khan, one of our finest foreign ministers. It's the position of every
0: God fearing and country loving Pakistan. But in, in, in that, ever. in that same rally, they threw water over Zafarullah Khan. Tiki, they were talking about how proud they were on the anti-Amiti amendments. Uh, they were talking about, I mean, obviously not Bilal, that was uh, Raja Parvez. But yeah, but do you have, wait,
1: uh, did, you, did, did we start life at any point, did we start a day in our lives yeah. waking up and thinking, I'm going to expect good things from Raja Parvez Ashraf? <laughs> is that something? <laughs> Tiki, that, that I agree. Whereas, whereas yeah. I think it is fair for you and I to expect something special from Bilal. And I'll tell yes. you why. yes. He's the, he is the, he is the beneficiary of the greatest political legacy in our country. Yeah. You know, I'm not a, I'm not a Jiala by any stretch of the imagination, but he has a real opportunity that frankly, neither Imran Khan nor Prime Minister Nawaz Sharif have. He gets to write his own story. A lot of it has been written for him, but because he's still in his twenties, a lot of it is to be written. Who knows what he's capable of doing, but at least we get to find out. We know what Imran Khan is capable of doing. He's showed us. He's an amazing mobilizer of people, especially, yeah. you know, wealthy, yeah. nice-smelling, well-educated, civilized Pakistani, yeah. you know. We've seen what Prime Minister Nawaz Sharif is capable of. Yeah. He's an amazing election winner. He keeps yeah. winning elections, which yeah. is a real problem yeah. for nice-smelling, well-educated, <laughs> articulate Pakistanis. Right? So, so we know what they're capable of. Yeah. We, we've also seen the Prime Minister's conduct after the yeah. Panama leaks. And, yeah. and, and what, what I can only describe as... A bus. Maybe Oh, no, it's not a blunderbuss. It's uh-huh. worse than that, right? Yeah. Because it's consistently the worst possible things that it could have done. From April third onwards, yeah, he did not once, but he repeated them over and over and over again. Yeah, um, and he's still going to get away with it, which yeah. is, which is of course, you which know, is inevitable. Unfortunately, that's that's the way it
0: seems. Uh, which, then, which heart then, spark, which goes back, I I, I I know there's no phrase called heart spark, but. No, no, which, <laughs> just, let's break that down for a second. Let's take a break from that conversation and let's talk about heart spark. <laughs> heart spark. <laughs> <laughs> If you think about language, like, harks back, heart spark be buraniye. It sort of makes some sense. Okay, I'll tell you uh, when it makes sense. Yeah. I think it makes sense for you and I,
1: Yeah. like age appropriate wise. Yes. In about 1994. Yeah. About 4 p.m., <laughs> <laughs> just after school, but just before dinner, uh, with a yummy ice cream. <laughs> and uh, yeah, you know, like yummy Jubilee yeah, Jubilee. and uh, ice cream, uh, polka, polka. Now I remember, polka, polka. ice cream. Uh, Enjoy it to the last
0: bite.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, so I mean, I think that. Heart's bark tea. But today today twenty sixteen the, the great Fussy zaka uttering the words Heart's bark and Neomi.
0: me <laughs> <laughs> It ain't right, bro. I know, I right. know. It ain't right. Man, I'm working on these things. What kind of a partoon are you laughing today on May twelfth? On, on May twelfth. Ah, yeah. Shame on you. So that's an interesting one. Uh you know, the fact that, as you know, I think we discussed this slightly earlier, you're right, it's a very smart move on the part of the ANP to take ownership of this day as sort of a directed calamity at sort of the, the population yeah. and giving it both a date and <laughs> a time and a very, um, you know, sort of very recent... Because I mean, I remember May twelfth, right? I was actually in Karachi and I was stuck out in the streets. Um, how did how did we not round you up in, into that? That's, that's yes. not funny, but uh, but uh, I, uh, <laughs> I I mean I I was I, I had gone actually. Toh is Urdu have no idea. <laughs> what happened was, was one o'clock, and had a migraine. And I was at a hotel. We were doing a TV show in those days. So I took a taxi to try and find myself some medication. It's like within half an hour, right? I swear, I, d- I just looked back and there are, you know, these sort of containers everywhere and we're blocked out. And then the violence was slowly starting, you know, it was ebbing and flowing. But <clears throat> I drove around Karachi for five hours with that driver. We finally got into another hotel and I tried to book myself into it and they said, no, gee, we can't said why I mean why on earth on May twelfth is this hotel booked? And they were like, gee, Pakistan Bridge Association yeah." and I was like, from where? Like I was like. like <laughs> Do you get it? And, and then, what these are bridge builders or they're players of the, the players school? of the card game and There's like five bridge players That's what country, I thought here, and it? the whole hotel was booked, right? And so,
1: yeah, Like, how awesome are rich people in Pakistan. I love it. I mean, that they have time to play bridge yeah. after they've stashed all their money in Panama and in the British Virgin Islands. <laughs> <laughs> they, they they
0: play bridge they and even, they take up all the hospital, uh, sorry, the hotel the space. The hotel space. Hospital the space to crumble. I sat in the lobby and I said, okay, I better have a reason from here. So I ordered tea and uh, you know. And then I tried to sleep on the thing, and then the waiter woke me up and <laughs> set off a... snoring out. Like, yeah. <laughs> so then finally a friend, he let me into his place. It was close by. And, uh, but yeah, but <coughs> you're right. Uh, you know, there's so many... You know what I find amazing, Pussy?
1: Like in the last decade, I don't think we take... I, I think we don't appreciate and take... I don't think we take enough time out to appreciate the severity of what this country has gone through. Oh, well, I agree. This story that you're telling is a trauma. Right? And we're laughing about it. There, people died that day. Yeah. Sons and brothers and fathers and we're laughing about it. And, and it's not because we hate Bakhtuns. And it's not because we hate Pakistan. It's not because we take life less seriously. It's because if we don't find ways to process this dysfunction that is... In us, around us, and about us, we will lose it. He- you remember after Bibi was assassinated, how many people in Karachi had stories like this about being trapped? Yeah. You remember, uh, even frankly, just a few weeks ago, when and it was nothing near as bad. But you know, after this whole protest by the Barelvi brothers. Yeah. Right? And, you know, the, the stories... I mean, I, I remember that I had to go to a wedding and we had to find an alternate route and the whole time we were talking to other people going to the wedding from one part of the city to the other. We're talking about so sort of going in caravans because we don't know what's going to happen. Just the trepidation. Actually, Kuchiningwata. I mean, in, in, on May 12th, I actually mean, kuchwata. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, relatively speaking, nothing happened over that weekend. And yet our plans were... And we just... It's all normal for us. It's normal that there'll be these kinds of protests, that there'll be like a checking a, a checkpoint on your way to work that backs up traffic for two and a half kilometers. That that's normal. Yeah. And that's not normal. And I don't think we take enough time to, to process that.
0: No, I agree. Because the other thing that I'm now reminded of on May 12th especially is that what I went away with was more that you know i saw the mqm at that point because it had done some amazing things for karachi in the preceding years and, and that's
1: when mustafa kamal made his made his name
0: right it made his name yeah. on. and yeah. so but but this is where it's an interesting contradiction because the fact that they that that could happen in that way as wanton as it was and for as petty a reason as was being established then i came away being really sad about that. And and it's only years later that you know even I realized that how much the demography has changed and how much sort of some, I mean, I think everyone suffered, but obviously some of the directed anger that went against one ethnic group. And it's interesting how somebody who was there at that time has taken pains to disassociate himself from May 12th, which is Mustafa Kemal now as he establishes himself as you know, somebody who's not been part and parcel of some of the stuff that's gone wrong with the MQM. And and now, I mean, right now especially, I I do think, like you said earlier um, when we were speaking, this is going to resonate because, you know, over time that particular rivalry has increased. And it's also interesting that they've done it at a time when the MQM itself has weakened itself.
1: It's brilliant timing. Yeah. Uh, I think it's good politics. And I think it's good for the country. Consolidating the various nationalities in our, in our country, the various nations in our nation, is, uh, I think it's, it can only benefit Pakistan it's only when we get all insecure about why they're talking in their own language and why don't they speak the national language. I mean, we saw how that worked out yeah. in, in the 60s and 70s. So I think the more the Pakhtuns feel comfortable and, and, and feel a sense of pride in their identity, the better. But I think what's about to happen in Karachi is going to be one of the most, if not the most fascinating political transition in a long, long time because sooner or later there's going to be a census. Yeah. And sooner or later, people are going to discover that the actual population of Karachi and the perceived population of Karachi—that there's a slight discrepancy there. Yeah, <laughs> people are going to discover that the top two or three biggest Pashtun cities in the world are nowhere near KP or Afghanistan. Yeah, and so that I think is going to be something to watch carefully, because I think that that is going to create uh, two or three things. In one ethnicity, it's going to drive. The the march towards ethnic consolidation yeah. and ethno nationalism, and that's among the Pashtuns. Yeah. On the other hand, I think it's you're going to see a more Pakistanization of the Mahajir for two reasons. One, the Mahajir is getting beat down in this operation, yeah. largely for for legitimate reasons, yeah. but but often for very illegitimate reasons. Yeah. Ki- you know, beating people to death. Uh, you know, and having the rangers involved in it yeah. is a great. It's a great violation of our, of our nation. It's a oh, great absolutely. violation of Pakistan. It's a violation of our constitution. It's absolutely wrong. Having said that, the MQM was involved in a lot of stuff that of no political party or any, had any human business, business had any yeah, business being involved in. Yeah. So what you're going to see is because of the twin pressure of, of that fact and, and this operation, which is... Yeah. which. It's still the same operation as, as once passed, but the time and the era is, is different. Yeah. And because the census is going to produce some new realities in terms of districting and constituencies and those
0: sorts of things, you're going to, you're going to see a reverse. You know, the, So I'm not up to date on this. Is the census a possibility right now? Uh, you know, I, I, I like My it. feeling <laughs> is that
1: we're going to be a nation of estimators. So I think that they've put it off for at least a year because yes. because I think that they basically want this next election to be predictable yeah. in the way that the previous election was. Yeah. Whereas I think that if you have the census and you do redraw constituency lines, yeah. nobody knows what's going what? <laughs> to
0: happen. Dhanli Dhanli, no matter what happens,
1: somebody is going to claim Dhanli, yeah. right? Yeah. And I mean, we don't. You know, Ram Khan wasn't the one, the first one to do it. I mean, he was the first one to do a four-month dharna on it, yeah. but, but not the first one to claim Dhandli. Yeah. D- just remember, Nawaz Sharif and Benazir Bhutto, God rest your soul in yeah. peace, both consistently claimed Dhandli in every election in the 90s. Yeah. Of course, meanwhile, the Dhandli was actually happening, but it wasn't either of them that were doing <laughs> it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so... Uh, so anyway, that might tell us something about both
0: 2002, 2008, and 2013. No, I agree. You know, that's, that's a good perspective on it. So now, come, coming back to to the topic of, <laughs> I mean, w- w- like one of the three topics that we left unaddressed. <laughs> but but what about so? So there's this really interesting thing that you know, um, you know, I was recently discussing. Is like everyone wants to know, and this is interesting: is that how important are these Panama leaks, for example? And everyone seems to question it, right? So there's this question of, I mean, there's no doubt Panama, Panama, right. uh, and uh, you know what I really found interesting also is that uh, the name of the firm Mossack Fonseca, Fonseca, like that's a Bond villain's name. It's it's, it's out of it's out of a novel. Uh, uh, yeah. Even the names of the principals of the firm, yeah.
1: Uh, I think it's, one is Ma and it's Fonseca, but like, yeah. it's just,
0: like, who wrote this script? I love it. Like, each time I look at it and I just think some of this has to be fiction. This is just like, you know, Stranger having a gold fiction. finger, uh, Stranger whatever. Stranger than fiction. Yeah. yeah, it really is something else. And, so, what I, what I find impressive is that, so you're looking into it and, so my own perspective is that, there is wrongdoing involved. Obviously, in an ideal world, um, it needs to be prosecuted. It should be recognized as such. However, the sort of sudden rush to judgment—this stuff, unfortunately, especially in financial sector—takes a lot of time to actually sift through and establish something. And partly is that this is the basis of crimes that were, you know, sort of prosecuted or attempted to be prosecuted during the '90s, especially. And we didn't get very far on all the corruption cases, because it's essentially that money that some of which, you know, found its way abroad, and which has been alleged before also, like, how do you buy flats in the UK, or, you know, a mansion in Surrey, and things like that. But what I'm slowly enjoying is how it's like, you know, everyone takes a position on it. And then you say, I'm really sorry, but, you know, my financier did a better way of Creating an offshore company. Yeah. Somebody else is coming <clears throat> up, and um, you know, I, th- I I I just look at it. The tragedy that's come out of this is that the it seems to be used opportunistically in the whole civil military game right now as a pressure point, where whereas the political parties are actually not doing a great job, and partly the room given to the political parties was by the bungling by the prime minister. Well, it's beyond bungling, right? I mean, I think, so I... Sorry, I just want to add one thing, but just remember, do you remember when the Surrey Mansion came out? Yeah. They just said nothing about it for four weeks and by oh, well, okay, we tried. Yeah. And then everybody forgot it. Yeah. And that's almost the inevitable course Well, don't forget
1: that that government was basically constructed on an infrastructure platform called the NRO. Yeah, that is something that you know is easily forgotten. Yeah, but it, it shouldn't be right. Uh, absolutely, it was uh, and, one of the and, and worst
0: the, laws that could have been constructed. But but but
1: it did get constructed, and yeah. it was a it was a function, fussy, yeah. of institutional consensus in Pakistan.
0: Yeah, see, the thing
1: is that if we had an institution that was safe. From the contamination that all institutions suffer yeah. by society, then it would be an easy discussion to have because we could ask one or another of the institutions to clean up the others. I'm really thinking about the judiciary, even though people will assume I'm talking about the military. Yeah. But really, the job of cleaning this kind of stuff, stuff up and the qualification for it is really it's in it's in the, it's yeah. in the judicial branch, not yeah. anywhere else. Okay. So you don't have that. And of course, you've tried the military cleaning up like three or four times. And yeah. every time we discover the only cleanup that happens is that the paper trail disappears for both the politicians that were deposed, yeah. who are allowed to come back, and the military leaderships that do the deposing, yeah. who, who find a way of getting out of the country. Yeah. So, yeah. so when you go and you talk about the Mayfair Flats, what you... Sort of can't ignore yeah. is that President Musharraf also owns property in that. In Absolutely. Nation. So you know, and his is in Edgware, right? I I don't know where it is. I tr- you know I haven't I been to, to either place, much. but I, I try not yeah. to have London ruined for me in that way. Right. right. I mean, uh, it's a real nightmare for Sadiq Khan, by the way. Like he's got like basically every political party's leader yeah. owning property in London yeah. and an incentive to continue to allow that to happen. There's a great piece by Jeffrey Sachs, by the way, right. that talks about. The fueling of corruption by lax and deliberately lax sort of uh, regulations and behavior by the U.S., the U.K., and other Western yeah. countries—that's uh, a separate topic. It's I've also to attract capital, easy money. Yeah, of course. I yeah. mean, particularly London's economy yeah.
0: is based on illegitimate wealth. Uh, you know, uh, probably we have and less. And yeah, we have less to complain than the Russians do.
1: Yeah, the Russians have been robbed.
0: Yeah, yeah blind, blind by absolutely.
1: London. But, you know, again, and, and the point is that just because other institutions are doing it doesn't justify Nawaz Sharif's, uh, you know, alleged corruption. And just because other countries are corrupt, like Nigeria or India or China or Malaysia, doesn't make Pakistan being corrupt okay. But that, that context is important in trying to figure out a way out of this. Yeah. And really screaming at your television, throwing shoes at it, calling people who call attention to the other contextual factors in this names doesn't really solve the fundamental baseline social problems that are driving this behavior, right? Yeah. You know, from top to bottom, when you have people that are at the sweeper level all the way to the to the prime minister, when you have a system that is lubricated and designed for rents and rent seeking, yeah, then complaining about only one part of that without understanding how it relates to the rest of both internally, longitudinally, vertically, as well as horizontally uh, I, I I think it's I think it's just stupid. you know, I think we need to be a little bit more intelligent about this. That doesn't mean I have the answers. I really don't know what the solution to the corruption problem is, but I do know one thing: some of the most corrupt
0: places on the planet are doing just fine, and that's just it. sometimes this is a straw man argument for. Other things that one sees to achieve. Which I mean, is, like, China? Yeah. We want to be like China? We're going to have to be more corrupt, frankly. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, if we aspire to be like
1: China, I mean, it is, the, you know, and, and the thing is, that's not a comment on the Chinese people. Yeah. They're amazing, resilient, what a great civilization.
0: Yeah.
1: It's not a comment on the Communist Party, it's just a, com- it's a statement of fact. Corruption is rife in within the the political system in china and the, the economy is, yeah. depends in many ways on on these kinds of you know rent seeking transactions how many contracts in china are are awarded
0: to fair and f- free procurement processes and how many aren't so so i just want to add one thing to this where so i i mean i realize people are probably going to think that you know we're the apologists for corruption but actually the point is that you know it seemed to have a much greater negative impact than it sometimes actually does, because if you look at the American political system, it's fantastically corrupt. Except, one of the reasons why it's not addressed as such is that they've given legal sanction to it. Yeah, there's institutionalization to yeah. it. Yeah, absolutely. And and one could argue that maybe that's worse, whatever. But at least they can track it. Unfortunately, because. Their population in some levels is divorced from many issues. They haven't sought to address it in the way that they should. But here, and again, I think also going back to the MKM argument, one of the problems with the operation itself needs to be done. However, the singling out of just the MKM, where there are other parts in the country where also, I mean, we have to look at how the operation is conducted. In Balochistan, there's also excesses there. There's areas in the south that need one. But the reasons that, you know, one gets protected, one gets probably egregiously worse treatment, you know, that question of like making it fair across the board and putting the blame just on one party, or, you know, sort of one aspect of malfeasance or misgovernance is one of the things that, you know, is what basically people need to be urged to do is that don't be so reductionist. Don't be like, you know, throw them out, destroy the system. I didn't know
1: that this was khutbah time where we're telling people what to do and what not to do. But if we're doing that, here's here's what I would request. Understand Nawaz Sharif's conduct since the 3rd of April when this thing came out. I mean, it's inexplicably poor, just from a political perspective. Forget about morality, because I'm not in a position to judge anyone's morals. Yeah. I, I mean, being able to tell right and wrong is, is fine, and we yeah. can tell. Having money that you can't explain where it came from yeah. is wrong. So, so there's no problem on clarity there. Yeah. But the fact is that from just the, even if, he, if we assume evil intent... You know, the way he's defended himself is is really (laughs) inexplicably poor. I mean, no good politician would have taken the course that he's taken so far. And the fact that despite all of that, there is hardly a speck of doubt that he'll survive this crisis should tell us something about the quality of our discourse. The reaction to the Panama Papers has been... You know, more outrage or or less or basically that actually maybe the currency that we're trying to buy things with, outrage, yeah. isn't really the thing that's going to work here because of a whole host of factors that have to do with context and yeah. therefore vertical and horizontal context does matter. Yeah, yeah.
0: And the other thing I'm also wondering is, again, you know, I keep coming because I'm fascinated by this and I'm fascinated by an audio leak that I haven't heard yet, but I've read about. But I'm wondering who would do it, because, you know, um, you don't poke the tiger, so that means I'm sure the government realized that leaking something like that would cause a massive reaction. At the same time, I don't see, you know, the other side's incentive for putting out banal conversation, which at its best presumably you heard it I haven't but no I I kind of heard it because yeah. it was somebody had posted it on
1: Twitter yeah. and I played it and there's a video because it's basically so there's a video camera yeah, yeah. Uh, of him and uh, the two the two gentlemen meeting and somebody's yeah. left the, 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 the record thing on right uh, and usually the PTV people are saying that usually you mute the audio exactly now what I find a little harder to believe is that the prime minister and the army chief regularly do one-on-ones with a ptv camera that's running yeah. to capture visuals yeah. because the way that it's done because i've worked in government yeah, as you yeah. know yeah. you know when you have a bilateral meeting what you do is you let the camera bank yeah. stay yeah. and the two leaders the bilateral meeting whether it's between two countries or you know between two principals like like an army chief and a, and a prime minister it's an interesting country where one man and his boss are treated Equally, and sometimes in the opposite direction, but that's a yeah. different. I yeah. think we need to deal with civil military in a separate conversation. A groundbreaking conversation that no one's ever done in Pakistan because it's ignored I think, topic. I think, look, Fussy. I think that if you know, Alhamdulillah, if we've been privileged with this with this platform, we need to use it to <laughs> break new ground, to pioneer conversations that have never taken place before. Yeah. You know, the civil military divide in Pakistan. Nobody knows about it. It's an yeah. important yeah. issue, and <laughs> nobody's ever right. dealt with it. So, so we really need to explore it further, and you know,
0: really yeah. dig deep. Yeah, no, I agree. Excavate. Excavate. So you were saying... Archaeologize. So you were saying that, you know, they've got the machine, they're not looking at it. and No, so this just, idea just that just the, the audio to... is switched
1: off. No, yeah. it's not that the audio is switched off. The main meat of a meeting between a yeah. prime minister and an army chief yeah. is not recorded. There's no cameras yeah. in, in the room. In fact, the room is usually, especially in a country like Pakistan, yeah. people have swept the room yeah. because they're about to have a conversation that the people of Pakistan have elected them yeah. and that the person who's been elected has selected one of those people yeah. to, to have a private not private in, in the sense of public-private, but private in the sense a conversation that doesn't need to be broadcast on DAWN yeah. on or PTV yeah. or whatever. Yeah. So it's all a little bit fishy, but as as you say, having not heard the conversation, I think we're eminently qualified to continue talking about it. Absolutely.
0: I could write a thesis on this thing.
1: You could write a thesis on a lot, my friend. You're a very good writer.
0: So, <laughs> when are you bringing back the column? Uh, next month. Uh,
1: seriously? Yeah, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, bhaiyo or Zaka has declared his intent. I'm putting you on the spot, bro. Yeah, yeah. I, know, I, know, I know you don't like it. May 12th, 2000, May 12th. 2016, the yeah. promise was made. June 12th. June 12th. Yeah. Awesome. So I think... Um, Let's we, wrap it up here yeah. for, for today. Season 2 has begun... With a ramble, with no... With no coherence. coherence. <laughs> yes. no, no structure. Yeah. And, and you know what's really funny? Usually there's a watch... Yeah. In front of us. Yeah. And I'm really pleased to inform our listeners, our dear, amazing, awesome listeners, that uh, there's no watch. So we don't actually have any idea how long. (laughs) (laughs) long I think it's it's shorter than our usual. Yeah. So should we keep going? Uh, No. (laughs) 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 Season two started with, not a thud and not a bang. Yeah. It's a, it's a moderate episode. Haan. We are delighted that we're back uh, doing this. Uh, one of the big reasons why we're delighted is that the end of season one, which was unexpected for many, um, came uh, unexpectedly. Yes. And the beginning of season two has come unexpectedly. And so... You know our commitment to keeping it fresh,
0: and uh, and keeping it real, yeah, uh, continues. Yeah. Um, and talking about things whether we know anything about them or not, or have read about them, or, or not, have read uh, about them or uh, not, will you know, continue. Inshallah, Inshallah. You. look, thanks so much
1: for doing this as always. Pasi. And thank you. Uh, let's try and uh, get back to the old production levels where yes. there's a lot of echo and and people can't hear what we're saying because <laughs> I I suspect that this has been recorded quite professionally and quite well i hope so thanks a lot for listening and we'll see you uh well we'll very see soon, some hopefully. of you yeah.
0: but yeah. we'll uh we'll be talking to you again very soon Khudafiz. hafiz